praise and glory, honor and thanks. Father, your name is above all names. And Lord God, we just lift up your name. Your word says that if we lift up the name of Jesus, you will draw all men unto yourself. And so, Father, in this house, we lift up your name today, proclaiming victory through Christ, overcoming through Christ. All the things that we need, your peace, your strength, your encouragement. And Lord God, we pray this morning that you would rain down upon this place spiritually as you rain down upon the earth, you send the rain to the earth. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would rain down upon us, Father, and fill us to overflowing, that you would wash over us with your great love and your presence, that you would wash away the cares of the world and the things that are on our hearts and minds that that distract us, Lord, that you would pour into us this morning. Father, that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity, that you would open our ears to hear your small, still voice, that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today. And so, Father, we pray with expectation, expecting to walk away changed because we've encountered the reign of the Holy Spirit, reigning in our life, reigning on our life, but reigning in our life. And so, Father, we give you praise and glory and honor and thanks. And we give you permission this morning to speak to us. Share your heart with us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Warrior youth, you're dismissed. Thank you, praise team. Great job today. And uh, somebody will hit the lights. There we go. And I want to say a special thanks to the technical arts team. You guys do a great job with all the graphics and everything. Thank you so much. Thanks to everyone that's serving. And uh, we're, we're so glad that you're here this morning. And um, I want to just jump right in. We're starting a new series today. It's called Christ Moss. I was thinking about, you know, what, what can I teach on uh, this during this Christmas season and uh being close to Mexico, we know that mas means more. And I'm saying, hey, we could use some more of Christ in our life, right? Uh, so, so I like that. Uh, this morning's sermon is Christ, God's gift to us. And I know, you know, we, we, at Christmas time, we, we kind of know that, and, and hopefully we know that. But uh, I want to I talk about just refocusing on him. And... Uh, so I, I wanted to define what Chris, Christmas, where that word comes from, and it's really a combination of two words. Christ means anointed one or Messiah, and also mass or mass means holy communion service. And that's where that, that word comes from, Christmas. But uh, Christmas was began to be celebrated around the fourth century of, uh, in Rome, uh, generally, I found it interesting. I did a little bit of research, and they said that most uh, most of the time that they cel- celebrated people's death, but around the fourth century, they begin to celebrate the birth of Christ. and And the emphasis was on uh, John one verse fourteen, where it talks about, and the Word became flesh. Jesus came flesh and dwelt among us. And uh, December 25th is not the birth date of of Christ. Um, This date was chosen to celebrate the birth of Christ, but it was also in conjunction with a celebration, a festival. It was called the Festival of the Sun, S-U-N, and they kind of changed it to Festival of the Sun, S-O-N, the light of the world. And so uh, we see that a lot of the holidays and things that we celebrate 
the early Christians tried to combine those with existing holidays to try to uh, merge those to, to turn the emphasis more to Christ. And we know in, in some instances it didn't work so well, like Halloween, uh, it doesn't really... Uh, honor God, but it's on the eve of All Saints Day. And uh, so uh, how many of you celebrate All Saints Day or even hear about it, right? But, uh, but anyway, so in, in the attempt often to merge uh, Christian holidays with pagan celebrations, they would do these kinds of things. So the festival of the, of the sun, S-U-N, became the festival of the sun, S-O-N. And Christ was probably born in, in the summer or maybe around September so it, uh, it's, it's conceivable that he was conceived in December. So, you know, we would still be celebrating the, the birth of Christ. But the, the goal is that we're focusing on Christ. And we're going to be going to the book of Romans, chapters 5 and chapter 6. And if you've been coming to Bible study on Wednesdays, you know that we're in the book of Romans. And uh, it's, it's really, uh, it's been a rich time of teaching and learning the word of God. And so... I'm going to, I was a little concerned uh, last Wednesday that Christine was going to preach my sermon because uh, when she started talking, I'm like, oh no, don't go there. You're going to be preaching my sermon. But it's amazing to me how the word of God is just dovetailed. And when uh, Pastor Christine teaches on Wednesday, it's amazing how it fits in so well with Sunday. And she doesn't know what I'm going to teach. And I don't know what she's going to teach, but it all works together. And that's how the Spirit of the Lord does things. So as we celebrate Christmas, we should take some time to celebrate the life of Christ, but also the new life in us. For those of us who have accepted Christ, we should be celebrating this. Generally, we think of giving and receiving gifts at Christmas time, and those are fine and good, but uh, let's not lose the real meaning of Christmas. And in a minute, I'm going to be going to uh, Romans, and, and Paul is writing this letter to the Romans, the Christians in, in Rome, and, and he's, he's drawing a, uh, he's contrasting, I guess, Adam and Christ. And many times we, we talked about how that sin entered all of humanity when Adam and Eve sinned, when they disobeyed, when they ate the fruit from the tree of the, the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, these passages that I'm going to be reading this morning will speak directly to this. And I know that you know a lot of these, these passages and scriptures and biblical truths. Um, but part of the purpose of, of going over these is so that you'll be equipped so that when you go into the workplace and when you go, uh, when you have conversations with your neighbors, you have some scripture there to, to help you. Um, share the hope of Christ with them. My first point this morning is we were born spiritually bankrupt. That's probably not a, a real positive uh, point there, but, but it gets better. I, I promise you it gets better. Uh, if you want to turn to Romans 5, 12 through 17, I'll read the first part of verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world, period. That's where it all began. So let me read this whole passage here. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone has sinned. Adam's disobedience led to sin entering into the spiritual DNA of all of us. And we've talked a lot about that. It's not your fault that you're born in sin. You can thank Adam for that. <laughs> but uh, let me read on here. 
Verse 13, yes, people sinned even before the law was given. Okay, so people were breaking the law before the law was given to Moses. And if you go back and read in Genesis chapter 3, that's where Adam and Eve sinned. That's where they disobeyed God. They ate the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they were specifically, Adam was specifically told not to do. And in chapter 4, we read that Cain kills his brother Abel. I mean, it's right, on, right after that. We don't know the, the time span there, but, you know, it was seemingly very, very soon after that. So sin takes hold and begins to destroy very quickly. And uh, maybe you've wrestled with things in your life. We all have. And you see the effects of sin. Or, or maybe you look at others around you that are trapped in, in bondage and, and all kinds of different things sinful lifestyles, and we, you see the, the toll that it takes on their life. Uh, let me read 13 again. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. The first part of 14, I'm going to stop here, but it says still everyone died. So they were breaking the law even though there was no law. Uh, there are consequences to disobeying and stepping out of the boundaries that God has set for us. Is it against the law to eat 10 pounds of jelly beans? No, no it's not. But would there be consequences for that if you did? Maybe there, this is maybe a better example. Say that you're driving on a highway and uh, maybe it's a brand new highway and I can't envision this, but there are no speed limit signs. Or say you're driving on the highway and there's been a storm come through and all the speed limit signs are down. So. Technically, there is no speed limit. But if you're driving 100 miles an hour, you're breaking the law. I can't think of any place in America where you can drive legally 100 miles an hour. But you would be breaking the law because uh, even though the signs weren't up, you would be exceeding what, what you should be doing, probably from a safety standpoint or things like that. The consequences of sin lead to death. Um, even though there was no law, there were consequences because we read that still people died. Sin and death entered into all of humanity when Adam and Eve sinned. Verse 14, let me read all of this. Still everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not, uh, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did, they still died, right? Uh, the consequences of sin lead to death. And here we see in Genesis chapter 4, we see uh, a physical death of Abel. And uh, certainly there can be spiritual death. There can be death of a marriage. There can be death of relationships. There could be all kinds of negative things that come from sin. Now, I want to go to James chapter 1. And again, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture um, and, and remember that I'm giving you some scriptures so that when you come in contact with people and, uh, you know, you're wanting to help them, these are, these are some great scriptures that you, you can have to, to share with them. James 1 verse 12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Verse 13, and remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. 
Okay, my first point is we were born spiritually bankrupt. My second point this morning is our sin nature leads to death. Sin leads to death. Let's look at, at verse 14. Let's read on. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Verse 15, these desires give birth to sinful actions. These desires give birth to sinful actions. So you want to know where your sinful actions come from? They come from the sin that's resident within us and from our own carnal, lustful, fleshly desires. That's where they come from. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Verse 15, these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to what? To death. And so it's a progressive thing as sin enters into our life, as we begin to turn away from God, as we walk away from God, the things of God, then sin may enter in our, into our life and it's going to lead to death. So what is, what is Satan's desire for us? Well, we know from John 10.10 10, that thief's purpose is what? To steal, kill, and destroy. What's God's purpose for us? Through Jesus, that we would have abundant life. So... Let's go to John 10, 10. I know you know this scripture, but Jesus is talking about his sheep in, in John chapter 10. He's talking about us. He's talking about his followers, his sheep. And you can go back and read that, that chapter later. But uh, verse 10 says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them, who? His sheep, a rich and satisfying life. We're his sheep. He's our shepherd. Okay, let's go back to uh, James 1, 14. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Verse 15, these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. The Bible is clear that there are significant consequences for sin. Disobedience to God's word. But yet, we all do. We all do things that we know we shouldn't do. And Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, talked about how that the things he wanted to do, he didn't do, and the things he didn't want to do are things that he did. Can you relate to that? I can. I think we all can. And so um, the Bible is clear that when we step out of the boundaries that God sets for us, it's not good for us. And that's why we need to stay in the boundaries. We need to know what the boundaries are. So that's why we encourage you to come to Bible study. That's why we encourage you to come on Sunday morning. That's why we're pouring into your children. We're teaching them the boundaries of God, not as a legalistic, ritualistic exercise, but so that we can all walk in the freedom and liberty in, in which we were created to walk in. And so when we stay within those boundaries, there's freedom and liberty. There's freedom to eat 10 pounds of jelly beans. I don't recommend it. But, uh, you know, we have freedom in Christ. You don't, you don't enjoy discipline, uh, bringing discipline to your children when they disobey. But you know it's for their good, for their safety and their health and their welfare and for training them up because they're going to have to learn no sooner or later. So let's teach them the things of God and let's teach them to have self-control and walk in the things of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's train up, be training up our children so that they become mighty men and women of God and that, uh, that they understand that it's out of love that they're being disciplined. 
Do you understand that, that our heavenly father, because he loves us, he puts boundaries and he will discipline us. Have you ever been disciplined by Christ, by the Lord? Yes, I have. And that's because he loves you. Let's go to Romans 5, 13. Let's go back to Romans. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Verse 14, still everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Verse 14 continues. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. Adam was and represented the first man created, or we sometimes refer to him as the old man because Christ represents the last Adam. And he's the first that was spiritually renewed. And so we, don't, we shouldn't be identifying as much with the old Adam as we are the new Adam, Christ, because we've been renewed, we've been regenerated, we've been saved through the blood of Christ. Romans 5, 15, but there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Who is God's gracious gift? Jesus. Christ is the gracious gift God has given to us. Okay, let me read this again, verse 15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. He goes on to write, for the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. Okay, my first point is we were born spiritually bankrupt. We were born in sin. We were conceived in sin, the word says. Sin became part of our DNA through Adam. And if I were to stop here, it wouldn't be very encouraging. But there's hope. So we're going to keep moving. So my first point is we were born spiritually bankrupt. My second point is our sin nature leads to death. My third point is through Jesus, we triumph over sin and death. That's good news. Um, five, uh, Romans 5.15. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. There's the hope in Christ. We were born with a death sentence because sin and death in our lives. But through Christ, we're released from the death sentence and given new life. We probably can't really imagine this, but imagine if you were on death row and someone came and unlocked the 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 door to the cell and said, you're free to go. That's what Christ has done for us. We had a death sentence on us through sin in our life. But through Christ, we have been set free. That is good news. <laughs> That's great news because we have all sinned. What, what did we just read a while ago? When Adam sinned, sin entered the world, period. It became part of our DNA. But Christ, the last Adam, has come to set us free. And so if we will receive that, we can walk in the freedom and liberty. The people around us, there are people around us that need to know that. We need to be reminded of that, that we can walk in the freedom and liberty that Christ has come to give to us. Let's look at the distinction that, that Paul is making. Uh, let's go back to, or let's go to Romans 5, 16. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. 
For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our, to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Ha, let me ask you a question. I don't want you to answer, but have you sinned? Have you ever sinned? We all have. But God's gift of righteousness, or being made right with God, cover our many sins. All of us have sinned. And following the path of the first Adam, the old man, the sin nature that's within us leads to death. But receiving Christ provides abundant life here and now. We know that we will live forever uh, with, with the Lord when we die. But we can walk in the victory and the freedom and the liberty now, today. Are you walking in that? Or are you still shackled and bound up? Are you dragging one of those big balls around behind you because it's shackled to your leg? Listen, we can be free today. We can be free from those things through Christ. That's the message that I really want to share today. Verse 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Do you know people that you would say they're not walking in the fullness of life, that there's maybe even a lot of death in their, in their life? Maybe uh, drug addictions or different addictions, or maybe they're just, they're not walking in the fullness of life. They're depressed, they're beaten down. For this the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. Sin has the power of death over us, but greater is God's abundant grace in our life. It trumps sin. God's wonderful grace is more powerful than sin and death that we can walk in the power. And we've talk, we talked about that in the last series about how we can walk in the power of God. Um, this wonderful gift of righteousness that God gives to us is through Christ. It's through the completed work of Christ on the cross. It was finished there. He, Jesus said, it is finished. It's done. It's completed. And that's for us that we can fully understand that we can walk in the fullness of life that Christ came to give. The wonderful gift of righteousness that God gives us through Christ, the completed work on the cross. What is, what is this really saying, his gift of righteousness? What does that really mean? We have been justified. We have been accounted for. We have been defended. We have been vindicated. Through Jesus, we have been set free. And I think it's good that we're reminded of that on a regular basis. But I think it's also good that we take these scriptures that we can begin to share those with others who don't understand that, that they can be free, that Jesus came to set us free. His death on the cross and taking on all of our sins has brought us into right standing with God, has brought us into righteousness. Jesus paid the ransom. Jesus paid it all. It's paid in full. Have you ever had an invoice that you paid and they stamp it with a rubber stamp and it says paid in full and red? You've got paid in full stamped in red on you. It's all been paid. I love that. Okay. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it, will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. All who receive it, all who receive it, what is it? His grace and gift of forgiveness, 
his righteousness, Jesus. Some people still struggle with receiving, thinking that they must work and earn salvation. And I know it's hard because we, we live in such a performance-based society, but it's, that's not it. It's, we can't work and be good enough to earn it. It's only through the completed work of Christ on the cross, his grace, his salvation. I want to read this last half of uh, Romans 5, 17, and I'm going to kind of add some stuff here to, to it to emphasize. For all who receive it, God's grace, abundant grace, and his gift of righteousness, Jesus being the act of justification. Let me, let me stop here for a moment. Jesus was the act of justification. On the cross, he, we were justified because of the act that he did, of, of his act of dying on the cross, the completed work of Christ. Uh, for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. The results are that you and I can live in victory over sin and death. Now, let me say this, and I'm not promoting sin, but we all have sin in our life. We all make mistakes. Like I, like I shared earlier, Paul said that, man, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I want to do, I don't do. So we all struggle with, with that. There's a tension in our life because we live in a sinful world and because of our fallen nature. But through Christ, we can walk in victory and freedom. And so what, when we stumble and fall, we just need to come back to, to the Lord and say, God, you know what? I'm sorry. I blew it. Again, I'm not promoting sin, but I'm saying that we are more than likely, there's a good chance that we're going to sin sometime between now and two o'clock this afternoon, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Especially if you have to get on I-45. But, but the point is, is that we have all fallen, but there's hope in Christ. And so when we mess up, if we mess up, then we just simply go to him. We don't have to start back at zero and work our way back. You know, come on. God's word says that our sins are, are as far as the east is from the west. And so we just simply go to him and say, God, I'm, I'm asking forgiveness. Or maybe you go to your wife and you say, I'm asking forgiveness. Or you go to your husband or you go to your neighbor or whatever. But we just receive it and then move forward. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages or the payment of sin is death. And we've been reading that, that sin is a progressive thing that leads to death. If you see someone on the path to death, stop. Get in the way and block them and say, listen, you don't have to continue down this path. There's a better way. Let me help you. Let me help you on the path of life because you're going down the path of death. For the wages or the payment of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is something, somebody needs to tweet this, what I'm about to say, so get ready. It's not your fault you were born into sin and death. It's not your fault. What, what did we just read? We, we read that when Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. Are you in the world? Yes. Okay, so sin entered into our DNA. It is not your fault that you were born into sin and death. It is your choice to stay and remain there. Because Jesus has the keys, and if you're behind the doors, and he's, he's like, look, look, I've opened the door to the prison cell you're in. It's wide open. All you have to do is walk through that door. 
It's that simple, guys, just receiving. And the world needs to know that, that message. It's just receiving. So it's not your fault that you were born into sin and death because through Adam, sin and death entered in, into the world, entered into our DNA. But it is your choice to stay and remain there. Listen, these teachings are for us, guys, so that we really get it, so that we really understand, but not just so that we get it, but so that we can help others understand that there's freedom and liberty through Christ. The Lord is opening up global opportunities for us. And we've talked about this since the inception of Life Fellowship. And now over the last year, we've really been talking about how God is opening up these doors. And so we need to be ready. But are we taking advantage of the opportunities that we have right now in our communities? This is our mission field locally. League City, Kima, Seabrook, Baycliffe, all of these surrounding communities. And so it's a great place to begin to practice where we begin to share our faith and where we begin to lead others. I mean, if we're not doing that here at our jobs and in our neighborhoods, then, you know, why are we going to go halfway across the world? We need to be living that. And, and I've talked many times about how uh, when I worked uh, for the chemical company in R&D that that there was a Bible study that I hosted or that I kind of led. And you may be saying, well, I don't know the Bible that well. Well, then start reading it. Come to Bible study on Wednesday. If you just met with some people at work, and I'm not saying you have to get all religious and, you know, just have lunch. While you're having lunch, somebody bring their Bibles and just be, pick a, a book of the Bible and begin to read through and just talk about it. Build relationships You'd be amazed at how God will use those things if we would just simply begin to incorporate him into our daily life. If we begin to incorporate him into our, our workplace, if we begin to pray on a daily basis. And you can do those kinds of things. You can, you can have little devotion times with your family. And I'm not talking about a one-hour preaching service. I'm talking about just gathering your children together and saying, before we go to bed tonight, let's have some family time. Son, what, what, what are your struggles right now? What's the Lord sharing with you? Or let me give you a scripture. And just have your family begin to interact and, and bring everything into the focus of the Lord in your life. I mean, it can be real, real informal, but you're planting seeds and you're incorporating the presence of God into your home and in, into your family and into your lives. So we have a huge mission field. We should be teaching and training, equipping and leading, leading others in the things of God right here, right now. You have a great opportunity. We all do. This training is for us, preparing us to minister where we are, to be impacting lives. And as we're impacting lives, as we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work through our life to impact others, he's impacting our life as well. Be a part of the midweek service. Man, I can't emphasize that enough. It's good stuff on Wednesday. We're getting into the word. We're digging it up. You guys are bringing great comments and, and uh, perspective on the word of God. The mission statement of Life Fellowship is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Because at the end of our life, that's all that matters. So everything that we do, starting in children's ministry and here, is to drive us to a more intimate relationship with him.
It's not about trying to, to put on a, a, a plastic mask and be something or someone that we're not. It's about being real with God. That's intimacy. You know, that's intimacy when you can be real with somebody. And you can share your flaws. You can share your hurts. You can share your insecurities and know that they still love you. That's intimacy. And so that's what God wants from us. Not that he's looking for people that are perfect, that never make a mistake. He knows us all too well. But he's looking for people that are humble, that are teachable, that are obedient, that will yield their life to him and say, God, you know I'm a mess sometimes, most of the time. But I know that you love me. And I know that you're working in my life. And I know that I'm a work in progress. And I know that I haven't arrived, but God, I'm going to keep yielding my life to you. I'm going to keep pressing on toward the mark or the goal or the prize, knowing that you will get me there, not because of the good things that I do and the work and, and, and all the stuff that I do, but it's only through your great love, your great grace. Because let me be clear, it's not about works. So please don't walk away thinking that it is. It's all about him. It's all about him and us simply yielding our hearts and our lives to him. How can we effectively share and lead others in this level of relationship of deep intimacy? It's when we experience it and when we are touched by the Lord. I mean, it's like if, if some, someone gets healed and you begin to go and you testify and you say, the Lord healed me. Nobody can argue with that. They can't argue with that. They may argue about theology and scripture and the Bible and God and all, but they can't argue with your testimony. And so as we begin to share the hope and the love of Christ, what he's done in our hearts, people can't argue with that unless we're living something different, right? But we can begin to share with them because we've experienced that intimate relationship with him. We must experience it first. Then we can share the same with others as we live it. As they look at our lives, as they see our lives transform, people are going to know because there should be change in our hearts, which is reflective in our lives. There are people that are sitting in churches, I believe today, right now, all over the world that, that don't get this, that don't really understand that it's all about Christ. It's not about the things we do. It's all about his grace. It's God's greatest gift to us is Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Our only hope is found in this relationship with Jesus. I want to, in closing, I want to read Romans 5. 17 again, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. He goes on to write, for all, say all, all. for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you've walked away from this relationship that I've been talking about today, or maybe you never had one, and God is, is speaking to you this morning and wanting to draw you back. Would you slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. There's, there's no shame in that. No shame. The shame would be to walk out of this building and not receive, receive it. God's grace and love and forgiveness. We all need it. 
While you're in a posture of reflection, uh, we're gonna worship and ask the Lord to speak to us. But I wanna read the devotional from today in Jesus Calling, and I thought it was so appropriate for this message today. So I want you just to open your heart to receive from the Lord until we dismiss. But this is what the devotional says. It says, take time to be holy. The word holy does not mean goody-goody. It means set apart for sacred use. That is what these quiet moments in my presence are accomplishing within you. As you focus your mind and heart on me, you are being transformed. You are being recreated into the one I designed you to be. This process requires blocks of time set aside for communion with me. The benefits of this practice are limitless. Emotional and physical healing are enhanced by your soaking in the light of my presence. You experience a nearness to me that strengthens your faith and fills you with peace. You open yourself up to receive the many blessings that I have prepared for you. You become a cleansed temple of my Holy Spirit who is able to do in and through you immeasurably more than you ask or imagine. These are just some of the benefits of being still in my presence. In a couple of passages of scripture that, that uh, this is taken from, one is 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. And then Ephesians 3.20, I love this. Mm. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is that is at work within us. Let's take some time and say, God, continue this work. Continue speaking to me this morning and sharing your heart with me on what you want to say to me today. The more I seek you, more I find you, the more I find you, the more I love you. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand. Lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heartbeat. This love is so deep. It's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace. It's overwhelming.
We thank you for this day. We thank you for the great gift of your grace and the gift of your son, Jesus, who paid it all. And Father, let us walk away with this reinforced in our hearts that we've been forgiven for all of our sins, past, present, future. And we can just walk in the freedom and the liberty that you came to give us. So we would walk in that, that we would live in that. And that not only would we walk in those things, but also we would be able to share this hope of Christ with those whom you bring across our path this Christmas season. And Lord, we just pray that you continue to draw us closer to you each day. And we thank you that we can come into this relationship with open, open arms and, and just receive from you. And so we receive everything today in Jesus' name. Amen.
I want to thank you for joining us this morning. And as you go out this Christmas season, first of all, don't be ashamed or afraid to say Merry Christmas. <laughs> That's what it's all about. But look for those that are hurting, that need the hope of Christ. And, you know, there's a lot of CEOs out there, Christmas and Easter only. They only come on Christmas and Easter. So this is a great opportunity to invite them to church Sunday, next Sunday, and then uh, for our um, Christmas Eve communion service. It'll be a, just a short service, and we'll have communion. Again, our purpose is that we come into an intimate relationship with him. I'm talking about a real and authentic relationship with him. And I know that's why you're here. And I see that happening in all of our lives. So thank you for being here today. Go out and live it. Make a difference in your world. And uh, we'll see you Wednesday. God bless you. You're dismissed. Live it. Live it. <laughs>